Hi, I'm Mick. I'm the DM of, of this game. We've played before, and you're you're more than welcome to go back and listen to the other Molly's Monsters episodes if you'd like to catch up the old-fashioned way, but we're reviving and finishing this plotline to eat up some time between Bibliophile season since. Sue just had a baby. I have a baby now. I'm a father. I'm recording this ahead of time, but I'm going to manifest the universe I want so they're all happy and doing great. I am going to tell you also that this particular episode was the first one we recorded remotely to save on microphone usage, and hopefully it's also the worst sounding one out of the bunch. We'll find out, I guess. Long-time listeners have stuck through worse. When last we left Molly Malficarum, it was something like two years to us, and there's no way I'm going back through to edit a previously on Molly's Monsters package, so I'm just going to sit here and explain things to you. It's going to get a little weird. Molly, played by Susan, was just a down-on-her-luck news reporter fired for a hot mic incident involving one of the show's advertising partners and, we quote, the worst case of the shits. Fresh out of a job, she took up with Arthur Darby at the Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Service, a private detective-slash-enforcement business for the burgeoning supernatural world in Pinedale, Oregon. The first message started interesting by confronting a mummy raised from the dead and a demon cat named Selah. He became a friend, don't worry. But by the next week, Molly was investigating a robbery from a magical goods shop and enlisted the help of Tote's stylish influencer, Lilith, to crack the case. By saving a kidnapped witch, Carmela Sweet, from a mysterious cult that seemed to want to make magic public, Molly had gotten herself in pretty deep already. Fresh from the adventure, she was arrayed in court. To answer for some of the side effects of that particular investigation, where she met Gal Capone, theft extraordinaire, and killed a a big heart that represented injustice in the system, we think. Like I said, it was a couple years ago. Silat, the demon cat, wiped people's memories, and Gal got a job with Pinedale Investigative. But they weren't just co-workers. After an investigation that led to a memory-eating monster preying on a high school reunion, Gal and Molly have only come to remember that they were in fact high school classmates, and that their teenage years weren't quite as they remembered. Izzy Marcus, the high schooler who'd been locked in a locker since school had gotten out that day, joined in the hunt and became one of Pinedale's best online researchers. Not for nothing, Molly also realized her parents started Pinedale all those years ago. It was a bit of a mind freak, if you will. And then, like, Molly traveled backwards in time to save Ella Wellington, the demon that acts as the knowledge and magical muscle behind Pinedale's investigators. She met her grandpa. It all made sense at the time, just trust us. And although it's been over two years for us, it's only been a couple days for Molly. But now, she has an appointment with destiny. And you don't want to be late to a date with fate. Molly, it's been a weekend to say the least. 48 hours ago, you were at your parents' house eating dinner and getting grilled about your attendance at the high school reunion that saw you recover lost memories and, and not just from high school. Gal Capone, your embarrassing speech at the front of class, being the daughter of two supernatural detectives, it, it was all a bit much. Then, after that, you traveled almost a hundred years into the past to meet your great-grandfather and help your co-worker, who is a demon, survive her summoning by an evil cult that still threatens your town of Pinedale. Like I said, it, it's been a weekend. 
But that's all in the past. You took some showers, you slept a lot, maybe even binged a show or two. Now you've been back at work without much incident. It was a little embarrassing to approach Arthur, the head of Pinedale Investigative, after you flooded with memories that your parents actually started this agency. So as you sort of uh, see him on that Monday morning, fresh with these updates, is there anything you would like to ask or talk to him about? Um, I'm going to walk right into Arthur's office. I'm, I'm feeling a little confrontational this morning. You know, I've just been through a lot. I just feel like we need to get it all out there. I'm going to walk into Arthur's office. I'm going to sit right down and I'm going to say, did you know? Did, did I, uh, did I know what? Good morning, by the way. Thank you. But, uh, did I know what? Yeah. Good morning. Hi. How was your weekend? Anyway, did you know? Did you know about my family? Did you know that when you hired me? Yeah. Like your family started Pinedale Investigative? Why didn't you say anything to me? Well, I mean, Molly, I thought you, I figured you knew you were, you're their daughter. Like you lived in their house this, this entire time. Okay. But do you remember when I first started and we had to do that whole work intro thing where you told me about all of the different supernatural entities that exist and told me about the purpose of Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, I he kind of like puts his hands on the desk and sort of like in a, in a way it's it's a weird action. He's you can see he's conflicted inside cuz he puts his hands on the desk as if he's about to lean forward but then actually leans back in his chair so that his arms are like extended all the way. It's very it looks very uncomfortable. He says, "I uh, uh I thought it was like a whole don't treat me like uh, my dad's the owner kind of thing, an anti-nepotism sort of thing. I mean, your mom was the, the main one, but like a anti-nepotism sort of treat me like a normal person, pretend I don't even work here yet. Like, Are you there, think I'm that gonna that's how we treat all applications? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Do I seem like the kind of person who's savvy enough to pull that off? You did. I, I'm having second thoughts now, honestly. Ugh, okay, well, you were wrong. I didn't know. Yeah, I found okay. out this weekend. Like they told you or what? Ha- was this the reunion? You you were gone for a while. I, you didn't check in after that. Okay, it was kind of a lot. I don't know if you've ever been to a high school reunion, but it just brings back a lot of oh, weird memories, um, especially because apparently some of my memories were repressed by a fog and... I hadn't remembered or hadn't known all of that stuff about my parents. It's just been a lot, Arthur. I'm just I'm I'm just having a really hard time processing right now. Well, if there's anything I I can do, do you want me to interview you again or uh no, I guess not. I just ugh, okay, whatever. We're just going to start you, the week fresh start, work on processing all of this information. What do you have for me this week? He kind of shrugs and he's like, uh, I don't know, home or like, uh, not homecoming. You got me stuck on high school, you son of a gun. No, please uh, do not send me back up, to like, high school again. Oh, God, no. That would be, oh, the worst. Uh, ho- Halloween is coming up again. And that's always a, that's always a night for us. But we can, and then you hear a, a small little knocking at the door. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, Elva, come on in. And there's Elva Wellington, the agency's uh, resident knowledge demon, once again, just 
cut from glass, just has the sharpest cheekbones you've ever seen. You think that she could like sever or she could really slice some like eight by 11 office paper if she, if she sent her mind to it. Uh, she comes through, she sort of just says like, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, but don't count on uh, any help. And she leaves pretty soon afterward. Uh, it's very awkward. I am this also is, uh, very awkward because part of me is like, I don't have to feel awkward around Elva anymore. I totally saved her life. She owes me one. But then part of me is like, oh my God, I would murder someone for those cheekbones. And she's so intimidating that I like don't really know how to act around her. And it's like a whole thing. Well, the thing that is especially intimidating is that she's a demon with magical powers. Okay, but and the from what you've from what you've picked up, demons really, really don't like admitting that they owe you one. Uh, they really don't want anybody to uh, have to say like, "Oh, you know, it's no problem," because it's always a problem. And so they um, come together and they they try to tell you that they could have handled it. But Elva can't pull that one on you because you got to see uh, really what she was going for. So that took a lot from her. You you kind of understand that. That took a lot to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And she's hoping that you won't hold it over her head too much. I am it, going to try, but mostly I'm speechless all the time when she's around. So it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Sounds good. Even Silat, that demon cat that you first met escaping from a mummy raising that saved your bacon in that courthouse, uh, he's been a little bit timid around you as you sort of return to life around the office. Uh, though your first meeting upon him uh, that first week, you wouldn't really know it because his first words to you are, So you are the child of those that came before. Yep, sure am. Would have really appreciated it if someone would have said something. Coming from a small, hairless Egyptian cat uh, that is dead and falling apart, it is very odd to see this man's ma- or voice coming out of that tiny little. It's <laughs> it's kind of cute, like he's you know he's a, a demon. Guy. He's just a little guy. He's kind of cute, uh, and he continues, and he's like, "I did not know. I have never met your parents. I, Silot, have only met you." Oh, right, fine. Okay, <laughs> are you working hard or hardly work? And he walks out. You know, you have your your typical office conversations with that cat, as you do. So it's almost too much. When on that Thursday, which is Halloween, uh, Gal Capone, the uh, former thief, uh, courthouse sort of savior, uh, light with the fingers, bad at the high school, uh, comes into the office. She has been officially hired by Pinedale Investigative after her uh, theatrics and heroics at the courthouse. Um, and the reason she's in there is because Halloween, All Saints Eve, Sam Hain, the whole deal. It's all hands on deck time for Pinedale. If it's not pretend witches accidentally summoning a very real demon, it's just simple vandalism. And either way, Pinedale would really prefer it not to happen. So as Gal enters the office, it's the first time you've seen each other since that uncomfortable reunion. And since it's been uh, 36 hours for you guys, but approximately a year and a half for us, I think it might be worth time, worth the time uh, sort of discussing... What do you what do you guys kind of look like, uh, Molly? What what's the sort of uh, daily dress for Molly with her grandpa shoes on the bottom? 
Okay, so Molly's just kind of going through a lot this year with the whole getting fired from the job in a very embarrassing and public way. The whole starting a new job and realizing that the supernatural exists. And then now the whole family crisis of realizing that her parents aren't who she thought they were. So Molly's really going for some comfort clothes here. Uh, Even more so than normal, I've got some like old man loafers, a sweater that is several sizes too large, um, and a pair of like dress pants with an elastic waistband not rocking any makeup, hair pulled back in a ponytail. I just do not have the emotional bandwidth at the current moment to care about my appearance. Now, when you say old man loafers, you mean like those really supportive sneakers because yeah. uh, it's Arthur's policy that everybody has very good sneakers no matter what they're wearing. Exactly. Uh, very usually important you've been when wearing, you have to run away from a demon. Yeah, you've had a blazer-based wardrobe up to this point, but up you're, this you're going point, for like... I understand... This week is just a little different. We're going for the comfort clothes. All right. I was hoping that this would be a sort of escapism sort of podcast, but it sounds like, you know. Are you judging <laughs> my actual wardrobe? You, as we record this, you get it? Yeah, you, you're are pregnant. You, are as you judging this, you my it? actual wardrobe in the anyway, podcast right now? Uh, really? Katie, welcome uh, as Gal Capone. <laughs> I will slide on in here and pretend that this uh, marital strike is not happening. So will I. That's how it always works. So Gal Capone, <laughs> what what sort of things, now that you're like a fish at Pinedale Investigative, have you ditched the leather jacket or are you, you like sticking to it? I will say you work mostly on like contract. You're not like a day-to-day sort of uh, everyday 40 hours a, wor- a week sort of person like Molly is. So what you rock it as that sort of like consultant look. Yeah, so I think um, when we first introduced Gal, uh, we were still very early in the the Katie TTRPG nerddom. So I don't think I quite uh, gave her justice. Um, I think Gal kind of values like the kind of nondescriptness above all. She's coming from like a thief background. Probably a lot of her contract work is you know, tailing people, doing things that may not be entirely above board. Uh, so she probably is just wearing whatever, like, everybody is wearing nowadays. <laughs> so maybe just, like, um, it's, you know, it's Halloween, so just, like, a pair of leggings. Maybe not, like, the leather jacket, but, like, a, a fleece over, like, a plain like, exercise t-shirt. Wow. And, like, some high-top converse. So just kind of, like... However she can blend in as much as possible, that's what she's repping. So you went from badass fingerless gloves thief to Christian girl autumn. Yeah, and I think uh, (laughs) this is especially coming after uh, Gal's weekend went basically turned into her doing like a bunch of therapeutic thieving. Um, so that kind of has her in the, the nondescript mode. She's left her badass stuff at home and she's still in the mentality of like, all right, when, when whose wallet am I lifting today? I do love the idea of retail therapy, but with the five finger discount. Amazing. Absolutely. Like she probably like went out to the suburbs and like went into people's houses and lifted some jewelry. Like that is how Gal ah, That's praxis. I really love that post-pandemic Gal and Molly are really leaning into the comfort clothes. I think they're... I don't know what pandemic you're referencing. There's no pandemic in Pinedale. Um, 
So you guys, now that we're we're on the same page, and you guys kind of look up, look each other up and down, and it looks like you're about to split a pint of Ben and Jerry's, ladies, am I right? Uh, you realize that this is the first time you've seen each other since you realized you have a whole history together. So what what sort of conversations would would need to uh, happen there? Okay, first I'm gonna like sort of yell towards Arthur's open office door. I thought you said you weren't putting me back in high school anymore this week. Uh, I mean, that's that's Gal. She works at... Uh, you met at the courthouse, he says. Well, apparently we also know each other from high school. Yet another thing oh. I seem to have forgotten. Well, I, I didn't know that one. Her parents didn't start this uh, thing. I... So. My parents didn't start shit. <laughs> I roll from, from his office. Arthur goes, boy. I roll my eyes at Arthur and I pull up a chair next to my chair and invite Gal to sit down. I feel like we've got some things we need to talk about. Uh, Gal sits down, uh, pulls out a five finger discounted bag of those pumpkin Reese's uh, and is like, yeah, I, I think. Maybe just like a couple of things before we hit the streets. Without being invited to do so, I steal a pumpkin Reese's from her bag and open it up and just start chowing down despite the fact that it's nine in the morning. What? Candy can't happen in the morning? What is this weird world? <laughs> Why? Well, just. What, are we, what am I supposed to say? It's one thirty somewhere? Okay. Gal. We know each other from high school. And that whole thing at the reunion happened. What now? How do we move forward from this? I mean, can't we just kind of go back to the whole, like, we didn't know each other thing? Like, I mean, high school was five years ago. It doesn't make any difference. Like, hell, I didn't even recognize half of the people there before the whole smoke memory monster thing. So can't we just, like... Call it fine. We didn't run in the same crowds. I don't know who you fucked. You don't know who I fucked. And that's like the bare kind of minimum that we're working with. Arthur's head pokes out the door just a little bit. (laughs) Molly gets a little red faced um, knowing that Arthur is listening to them talk about sex. Uh, You know what? If you're fine with us completely disregarding high school, so am I. Let's move forward. Nice to see you, co-worker gal. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, you too, co-worker Molly. And like a trash goblin gal, like puts like a pumpkin Reese's in her coffee and like mashes <laughs> it up and drinks the coffee. <laughs> nice. Oh, um, Arthur, from where he is, you realize he wasn't trying to eavesdrop on the idea of high school uh, young women having sex because that would be really weird. He kind of like pokes his head out and has a worried look on his face. And just then you kind of remember that you heard a, conver- or a, a phone ringing cut off. And he goes, uh, uh, Molly, uh, Roman's called in with the problem. Uh-oh. Where's Roman? What's his deal? What's going on? Well, you know, it's it's going to be sunset here at Halloween, and although our our receptionist uh, uh, Francine is is getting the candy together in the bowl, uh, he's out on assignment, and uh, he's a little overwhelmed. At uh, and kind of looks both ways as if somebody in this office would overhear him and judge him. He goes, "The the cemetery." Oof! I look at Gal and say, "Should we head out there and help Roman out?" 
Uh, I mean, only if he admits that he owes us one. Oh, he uh, definitely owes us one. Well, he doesn't yet, I think is what you're saying. Uh, I should probably tell you where you're going. Uh, it's the Oaks Haven Cemetery. Uh, it's that one. It's that real. It's that real uh, nice one. It's. You should probably take your uh, silver because it's, it's zombies. Oh, good. Great. Halloween, zombies, totally normal. I'm going to take a look at Gal and say, should we go to, there's like a, there's like an armory closet, right? Where we can go get weaponed up. Yep. So the, the equipment that you have on your, your character sheet, uh, because we are, we are moving from monster of the week, spoiler alert to D and D a system, which works a lot better for not having to base our entire episodes off of like five questions uh so anything that you have on your character sheet uh you can go ahead and grab from the equipment uh lockers that are downstairs in the parking garage and then you can go ahead and hop into molly's personal pinedale investigative vehicle uh, and make your way there awesome uh just to let you know i have a gun and some knuckles and the bullets, I have lead and silver. Gal, what you working with here? I have a gun, so I will assume I have silver bullets for that, Nick. Yep. Uh, and then for flavor, can we say that my trusty old baseball bat that we had also kind of baptized in holy water? <laughs> uh, can I say that like walking dead style, I've like hammered silver nails into it? Sure, Please silver say nails yes. it is. Okay. That old... That old uh, Christmas classic, Silver Nails. <laughs> it's Halloween in the city. <laughs> it's zombie apocalypse in the city. Uh, so you make your way across out of the brick downtown of Pinedale. You make your way across the Samson River up the uh, along the bridge. You're taking surface streets. The, the cemetery is not too far away. Uh, and as you reach it, you realize it's one of those typical fields of Elysium, just a real, real estate waster, just deep green grass in the middle of fall. It is covered in the brown leaves of late October, but the oak trees are just sickeningly beautiful, and it's just like, ugh. What you're saying is this is a rich people cemetery. Yeah. So the sun is just now set, and you have trouble making out uh, just how many shambling forms there are in those fields of Elysium. Uh, You can, however, see a belching flame every so often, just... every so often uh, encompassing one of those shambling numbers who sort of stumbles for a couple more steps and then falls to the ground. Uh, And you can guess that's probably Roman gritting his teeth and thinking he he looks very cool. And here's the thing. He totally probably does. You can't really see him, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's one of those square chin. He's like a snake Plissken type from escape from New York uh, without the eye patch. That is extremely descriptive, but I actually do understand the reference this time, so I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, bud. This is why pop culture makes sense, because it's like a cultural touchstone. What? Duh. Weird. Okay. Uh, We get out of the car. I'm going to secure my gun in its holster, take a look at Gal, and say, should we go help him out? I guess. 
Gal, how how quickly are we moving towards Ronan? Are we hustling to get towards him, or are we kind of taking our sweet time? Um, so Gal is a speedy, sneaky girl. Ooh. Um, so I would rather like low sprint along like headstones and things to like try to take cover like around these grave markers so that I don't draw additional zombie attention and maybe like lead Molly in that way so that we can get to Roman without being like, Hey, over here. All right. Well, Katie, I got to tell you, this means that you're going to make the first roll of the game. And then Susan is going to make the second roll of the game. I need you both to make a stealth roll. What color dice do you think Gal is? What are our options? She seems like a black or a white. Um, I've got a black and a gray. Like uh, and black like a, and gray mixed? No, like I have a black dye that's like kind of swirly, a gray dye that's kind of swirly, and I've got like a transparent Rooney type dye. I'm gonna go I don't think she's a Rooney I'm type. I'm going to go with the black. Okay, black swirly. Let's see how we do. What, so, am, what, what am I rolling? Roll is this? this is a stealth roll, and it's very low DC. And I am rolling what dice? Uh, a D20. The, the, um, that is an 18 for Gal. All right. I have to tell you, with her modifier and everything, uh, you could have rolled anything but a natural one and succeeded. These are zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Look, the zombie lore is very vast, and there are all kinds right, of well, different yeah. zombies. These are classic zombies. Okay. You you can see that these are like brains uh, zombies. So With an 18, then, can I tie some shoelaces together and <laughs> around? Dead people don't wear shoelaces, which is my favorite criminal noir book. Actually, that sounds like a cozy mystery to me. Uh, yeah, well, they got it from somewhere. All right, Susan, on your D20, you're going to have to roll a D20, and you get to add uh, one to that. I rolled an 18, so 19. Holy crap. Uh, Gal Capone, you we go to- We are sneaking the hell say- out of this cemetery. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, Gal Capone, you go to say something to Molly behind you, and then she's not there. And when you turn back to look at the zombies, she's on the other side of you, and you didn't even see her. Yeah, I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Like, just kind of like that what the fuck gesture as we... <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. I outsneaked right, so. the thief. Uh, I believe it's outsnuck. Uh, <laughs> Roman, you can hear, is uh, also has not seen you, and you can hear him say like, come on, you shuffling bags of meat. Time to put you back in the ground. Time to get cremated. And he's doing all these one-liners for nobody. And it's kind of like embarrassing that he didn't see you and he thinks he's being all cool. But you're like, this guy, right? And you you spare a quick moment to do one of those like dismissive jerk-off motions. Uh, and then uh, you you snuck up just enough on the zombies that you can get a pretty good drop on them. What do you do? Or should we just... Are you going to attack them? I'll ask that. Yes. All right, roll for initiative, Monfreres. We don't get a sneak attack round? Uh, yeah, but which one of you gets to sneak first, though? Go for it. I'm not it. saying the zombies are going to get to go. Uh, go. That is... So that's why you want us to roll? Yes. Sneak goes first. I got a 22 initiative. Holy baloney. I'm going to go ahead and just write that at the top, no matter what happens. How did you happens. get a 22? She has uh, a modifier. Natural 18 plus 4. Oof. Uh, I got a 10. All right, 10 and for... 10 plus uh, what? What is my plus anything? You don't get one. You are you are going to be in this adventure a paladin. They are not okay. known for their springing to action. Okay. 
right. Uh, I will say that Roman managed to roll a natural 20. Nice. And then a zombie horde. A, uh, appropriately low. I will tell you that much. All right. As Roman is setting them on fire, um, you guys are uh, waiting with bated breath. And then, Gal, you decide the timing is right and you make your move. Okay. Um, so I get. Do I get advantage? Well, or I can attack the ones that are nearest Roman and get advantage that or sneak attack that way. Yep. So you got sneak attack no matter, basically, no matter what you do. Nice. Uh, so we're baseball batting this. Yep. Um, that is a 15 to hit. That hits. Go ahead and roll for damage. Okay. So, gotta get my, my rogue dice here. Um, that is uh, 13 points of damage. The zombie ceases to exist. You don't know where you hit him. It's like it glitched out of reality. Uh, no, yeah. much like uh, Negan in the the uh, Walking Dead, of which I've only ever even seen one episode. How do I know that dude's name? Uh, you just take off the zo- this zombie's face and collapse him to the ground where he stays down. You've destroyed the brain. Uh, I would like you to roll a stealth roll uh, straight up. like So no advantage, no disadvantage. Stealth roll. Uh, that is a 18. All right. Once again, they continue not to notice you. You took him down so quickly and so efficiently that it basically did not even make any noise, uh, which brings us to Sue. Very, is it I don't Roman know if next? you're going to be Gimli to K- I don't know if you're going to be Gimli to Katie's Legolas, but now's your chance. Okay. I am actually really enjoying this whole sneaking around thing. And so I am going to dip down behind a tombstone and take a shot from behind it with my gun. Um, how do I'm we... enjoying the sneaking around thing, so I'm gonna make a huge, big, loud noise. Exactly. Um. So, are silver bullets gonna be any more effective against zombies than regular bullets? I don't know. One way to find out. Uh. Okay. We're gonna start with the regular bullets. So I'm gonna take a headshot. All right. Go ahead and roll d20. All right. And then add uh, three to it. Okay, that is nine plus three is 12. All right, uh, you managed to, uh, you think you've missed it first. The gun kind of goes off and you're startled by its loudness given the silence of the bat hit before you. Uh, and you think you've missed, uh, but then the zombie topples over and, and it's like you opened it like a, a hobo eating a can of beans out of the can, like at the top of the skull just oh, sort of opens up and the brain nice. falls out. And the zombie falls to the ground, except all the zombies sort of turn immediately to the noise. And Roman says, oh, my God, there's a gun. (laughs) I'm going to like. He hears you cackling from behind the (laughs) gravestone. He says, oh, Molly, okay, finally. Uh, Okay. Um, Do I get to do anything else or is that my whole turn? Oh, no, that's your turn. But yeah. now we're back to the, the start Great. of the initiative. Katie, I'm sorry to tell you, but Gal has been noticed uh, thanks to Molly's using the loudest weapon <laughs> in our entire character sheets. Um, can Is there uh, a zombie within five feet of uh, Roman? Uh, yes, I got to tell you, I know we're doing theater of the mind, Katie, I know you, I know you appreciate your very simplified maps, but, uh, we're doing theater of the mind here. And I have to tell you, is there a zombie in, I'm just going to answer it. Yes. This is a horde. You are in the middle of a, of a graveyard as this is happening. 
I, I'm just trying to make sure I can maintain sneak attack here. Uh, so I'm going to kind of rush in since I've been noticing give Roman some report. Some, I didn't mean to roll that there. Um, but that is uh, 23 to hit. That I, You're not going to believe this, but that hits a shambling dead zombie. Yeah, hot damn, gal. Um, that is 18 points of damage. 18 points of damage. Uh, how do you destroy the zombie, Gal Capone? Uh, I feel like it's like one of those, I'm kind of like, I'm embarrassed because I just watched Roman like have so many one-liners. So I'm kind of trying to show him how it's done. So I do like the, hey, bada bada, hey, bada bada swing. And just like. <laughs> uh, Molly is loving this. And then I would like to use uh, a cunning action to attempt to hide. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that you kind of succeed because everyone, including Roman and Molly, were watching the zombie head. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you uh, <laughs> uh, duck behind something. And when they look back, you're gone. <gasps> All right, which brings us to Roman, who uh, says, oh, my God. Uh, and he's going to go ahead and kick a zombie in the balls and then try to punch it on the top of its head like bring down his fist on top of it uh you don't know why he stopped using the flamethrower but uh that is going to be a hit from roman and he is going to uh just from sheer anger he's wearing like i don't know if you know who this is but he's wearing danzig clothing uh and so it's like all black everything and some real heavy boots and he's got that leather jacket and and gal you're a little bit like oh we could wear that Ooh, okay uh and so he's going to in one motion uh kick it in the balls up and then as it's still sort of flying up into the air he hits it with his fist down on top of its head and he like crunches it and it falls to the side <laughs> uh dead uh which brings us to sue all right uh now that i have clearly made a mistake and all the zombies know where i am i'm just gonna keep cruising with the gun so um i'm gonna take a shot at whichever zombie is closest to me and I rolled a 12 plus 3 is 15. That is going to hit. Roll damage. Okay. You didn't have me roll for damage the last time. Weird. It's almost like they have a really low health. Um, 1d10 plus 3. That is 8 plus 3 is 11. All right. So once again, this time a little bit uh, clearer that you're about to kill it because you rolled a lot higher. Uh, you sort of uh, pop one right through the side of the head that was looking at Roman uh, and uh, he goes down and now it's time for zombie turns. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so zombie is going to take uh, the first one. The zombie next to Roman uh, is going to uh, just sort of take a, a good old claw at him. Uh, and that is going to be a very fair miss. Uh, Roman just sort of rolls out of it in his uh, motorcycle jacket. The next zombie is going to uh, take a, a run at Roman as well. Uh, and that is going to be a hit on Roman. And so uh, the zombie luckily is not biting. Uh, these aren't contagious zombies. This is not apocalypse zombie. This is very much like, I've risen you from the dead Cemetery zombies. zombies. Cemetery zombies, exactly. And uh, luckily it only does one damage. He, he takes a, a pretty good uh, chunk out of his uh, hair, I guess. And Rome's like, ow! Uh, and then the next zombie uh, is coming towards the source of the, the gunshots and is going to basically try to batter you from over the, the tombstone. Uh, and that's going to be a nat 20, Molly. Uh, and so this Whoa. is going to do double damage. 
luckily, once again, it has rolled a one. Katie's custom-made <laughs> dice have come to your guys' uh, rescue. And so, Sue, you are going to take two off of your current health points. Um. Okay, I think I can handle it. And then another zombie is going to come for Sue, the gun wielder. Okay. Uh, and that is going to be a 14, which ties your armor class. And so this one's going to hit as well, especially since you only took two damage. This one's going to be four, so it's going to do four damage to you. It kind of just barely clips you, but in the middle of clipping you, it hits your shoulder like into the tombstone and does four more damage. So eight total? Yeah. And then you see uh, another two zombies basically come into range. Okay. Is it my turn? All right. We are back up. No, we are back up to Gal Capone. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go leaping over a gravestone and come to Molly's aid. All right. Love that. Um, Thank you. With a 17 to hit. 17 to hit hits. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, with sneak attack, that is uh, 20 points of damage. <laughs> Let me let me check the numbers Can here. Can she kill uh, multiple zombies at the same time if she keeps rolling that well? Because I kind of feel like she's that much of a badass. Do rogues get multiple attacks at level four? No, not Susan. Level four. They don't. So <laughs> I'm not saying multiple attacks. I'm saying her one attack kills multiple zombies. Nope. Anyway, uh, this zombie just like you you bisect it. It looks like uh, Darth Maul at the end of a Phantom <laughs> Menace, and although it keeps sort of clambering around, it's 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 out of commission. Uh, Roman's up, and he's gonna as a bonus action step on that zombie's head, and he says, "That one guns for me." Uh, and then he's going to uh, sort of uh, take the nunchucks out of his jacket that he had this entire time, uh, and he's gonna take aim at one of the zombies that is in, within range. Uh, and he's gonna miss. Uh, he his feet slide on the decayed muck of the brains of the zombie he he stepped on, and he is actually going to manage to miss a dead body somehow. Gal fully guffaws, <laughs> like like Stop it's an laughing. ugly laugh, and she knows it. Oh well, he misses. So we're back up to uh, uh, Molly. All right, got fourteen plus three is seventeen, which I'm assuming is a hit. And yeah. nine plus three is 12 damage. So yeah, with the gun, I'm assuming? Yeah. Uh, this one's head just explodes, and some of it gets on Roman. Like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty badass with the number of zombies I've shot in the head in the last... Well, know, I got good news. Minutes. It's a target-rich environment as two more zombies sort of walk Yeesh. into range. Okay. Um, so this zombie is going to take an aim at Gal now that she did not disengage and hide. He's, he's excited to get his paws on her. That is going to be a 12 to attack. Uh, my armor class is 14. All right. So that's a miss. You guys both have armor class 14. Uh, second zombie is going to take an aim at Roman. He's going to miss. Third zombie is going to take an aim at Roman. He's going to hit. So Roman takes another couple damage. He takes... Uh, another four damage, so he gets kind of pounded really hard, just square in the kidney. Ouch. Uh, he's he's not looking uh, awful, but he, you can tell he's kind of like breathing a little bit harder. Uh, third, fourth zombie is rolls a nat one, and uh, Katie, I play D&D with you uh, every week, and I do something that you don't do. I do something called botch rules, and when somebody rolls a D1, they roll on a D100, and if it's in the 90s, they die. Ah! So, uh, uh, this here is we one go of my for this favorite zombie. things in D&D. 
All right. He only rolls a 51, so he just yeah. misses and kind of looks stupid while doing so. Doesn't even um, And then himself. another zombie gets to go, taking an aim at Molly. Uh, misses. Fifth zombie takes aim, and this one's going to hit. Uh, just swing it for the gut, this zombie. On me? Uh, and manages to hit you. Yeah, you. Does another four damage. So, so far, you've taken quite a bit in this I first fight. I have indeed. So uh, and then I'm it is the last zombie's so turn. Roman. Yeah, and so it's the last zombie's turn of the turn. And he rolls another net. Or, he doesn't roll another. This one rolls uh, a net one. And gets an 81. So this does not kill him, but the zombie slips a little bit and knocks his own jaw off on the tombstone. Uh, and so he is jawless and prone. Uh, which brings us to Katie. As you see, two more zombies get within range. Now that you're sort of fighting melee style instead of the flamethrower, these zombies are beginning to overcrowd you. Uh, as you start to get like... This is like the moment in an anime where we pan up and we see the three heroes surrounded by our, our villains and, you know, we cut to commercial break. Uh, but we didn't have any sponsors for this episode yet. Uh, and so we're going to keep going. Uh, but what you see is on the sort of gravel path into the cemetery right behind uh, Molly's uh, Pinedale Investigative Mobile, you see one pull up like headlights blazing, just honking on the horn. Uh, and it, it leaves the gravel path, knocks over a couple of, of headstones, and just carves a path through the zombies. All uh, right. And Arthur sort of pops his head out the driver's window. He's like, uh, hey, uh, looks like you guys have made some grave mistakes. It's the best I could do, he says. Oh, my God, Arthur, either get out and help or let us get in the car. Which is it? Uh, well, neither. And then uh, Elva pops out of the sunroof and she sort of claps her hand and a red light comes over. And guys, it doesn't hurt you, but it feels bad. Like it doesn't hurt, but you're like, oh, I don't like what is happening. Like but a the fingernails zombies... on a chalkboard kind of feeling. No, like a hmm, like you were cooking something at 420 and <laughs> lol, blaze it. <laughs> Um, you're cooking something at 425 in the oven and you open up the oven, you forget it's that hot. And so you like put your face right next to it and it just like, Ooh, hits you. Um, so you get one of those right in the face and the zombies around you sort of collapse, uh, in the immediate vicinity, but you see that there are more very, very close to you. And, uh, Elva kind of pops out of the sunroof. It doesn't look like it would be possible to a human, but you know, whatever. Uh, and she runs into the middle of your gang. And she says, there's there's too many of them. This is a whole-ass graveyard, a part of my language. Uh, and so we've got other places to be, actually, but we also can't leave here. And she kind of looks back at the car and see Lot, the cat, hops on top of the roof. And do it, Elva. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And uh, Arthur kind of pops out of the the driver's seat and he kind of runs over with like a uh oh like a really tiny spray bottle like the kind you'd put like uh massage oil on with uh and he kind of runs over and he's like yeah i uh think this will uh work uh and you see that elva and Silat are beginning to vibrate like <sighs> their forms are beginning to vibrate and arthur starts to say like well, uh, this is not normal, uh, but we have some other calls coming in already. This is bigger than this graveyard. 
It's time to unlock the power, he says, spraying uh, Molly down. There you have hidden inside you. And he sprays uh, Gal down with this oil. And it, it smells kind of minty. Uh, and so he waves that, that you have hidden inside you this whole time. You've always been magical, you two. Just kidding. It lasts for 12 hours. Please do not waste this. Ma it's like Michael's secret stuff. You guys ever seen Space Jam? Okay, Arthur. What? Yeah, it, it, please, please don't waste this. Uh, let's start with let's start with Molly. Molly, with these sort with the gun in your one hand and sort of the brass knuckles that you've preemptively put onto your other hand, you have another one that you could put, but you need to shoot the gun. Mm -hmm. You begin to sort of just barely see a white light emanating from your fingers, your knuckles, and the gun itself. Okay. Uh. Gal, you begin to feel some sort of tingling through you. You've met a demon before, but this is not like demon binding. You begin to feel like you can control whatever this is uh, coming through you. You begin like to feel like if you wanted to, you could lift up that dead head that you knocked all the way past the, the you know, into the parking lot. You could lift it up and bring it back to you if you wanted to. You you begin to feel these powers that you had never felt before. Uh, and actually, uh, as more zombies begin to uh, rise from their grave, a uh, pure white being uh, pops into uh, being. Good sentence, DM. Pure white being pops into a corporeal form in front of uh, Molly and says, Hello. You have awoken the power within and I am willing to give you that power. I need a couple promises, she says to Molly. Um, okay, what, what, what kind of promises are we talking about here? I need you to preserve the secrecy of supernatural life. I am the supernatural. <laughs> Molly like gets a little shiver just feel like feel like this is a really big thing that's happening right now and I don't super understand it but I feel like it's significant um I, I, I I'll do my best I promise she says okay I'll take it <laughs> she flies into your <laughs> knuckles flies Woo! into your brass knuckles and you have this sudden burst of energy. You are healed back to full, Molly. Hell yes. Uh, and you begin to uh, scroll down on your character sheet, metaphorically speaking, and realize that you have spells. You are going to use your charisma to cast spells as a paladin. Uh, Gal Capone, you have no corresponding creature of white light. Uh, you just uh, feel like, holy cow, am I even better at stealing something? Is that possible? <laughs> and you, uh, you also scroll down metaphorically on your character sheet to find you have things like Mage Hand and Expeditious Retreat. I feel guys... like canonically, Gal just like believes so much in herself that she doesn't need like another deity to say like, hey, believe in me and support me. Because she's like in her own corner. So it's like, oh, fuck yeah. We'll I knew take that it. Was this cool. So, with that in mind, Susan, I would like you to do a little something called Turn Undead. Turn Undead. Sounds good. Uh, Susan, uh, Molly Malficarum casts Turn Undead from her paladin thing. And she sort of. Uh, punches one actually i'm gonna ask you turn on dead is gonna kill a lot of zombies all at once in a big wave how do you turn on your turn undead um 
I'm going to close my eyes and sort of gather up all my energy and do a little flipping inward motion with my hands. Flipping inward like a Khmer, like from the Matrix? Like I have my I have my arms out, like extended in front of me, and then I'm gonna flip them in so that my palms are facing towards me. As you do that, a a, a sort of yellowish white uh, light casts in front of you like a wave breaking onto shore. Uh, and wherever it goes, the zombies don't necessarily uh, sort of get destroyed. They just turn off. And it's very, very weird that they just turn off and fall to the ground. And as you watch this wave sort of flowing, it's just... I su- like bioluminescent isn't the word, but it's just casting enough of its own light that as it goes through the rows and the rows of the headstones, you begin to see a figure standing on top of like an raised mausoleum type thing. And you can see that this figure uh, looks at you with surprise as you've cast down this like domino of uh, zombies that he was doing, but he quickly opens his book and starts reading again. Uh, and you can kind of hear from, even from this distance, a low sort of murmuring of, Okay. You have been bemagicked by this uh, 12-hour lasting oil and demon magic. Don't ask about the demon magic. We don't want to get into the ethics of that. But uh, uh, there's your your Babadooda guy. What are you going to do? So, wait. So this is the this guy is the being that gave me my magic. No, this guy it has a book and he looks kind of crazy and he's on top he's of. He's raising me. the zombies. What? Oh. Who said that? Okay. Um. Sorry. Still, still trying to figure out what's going on here. Um. How far is he from where the rest of us are? I know you said I he's up say, on the top of a hill, but like, how far are we talking about here? No, he's on top of a tomb. He's on top of like a mausoleum. I would say he's approximately one speed away. So whatever your speed is, which I didn't give you because I didn't think it would be important, he's he's one turn away. You got to get there. Okay, so I have something called ensnaring strike. Hit a creature with a weapon attack, and a writhing mass of thorny vines appears at the point of impact in the target. Um, <laughs> must succeed. Must succeed, uh, or be restrained by the vine. So I think it's probably a good idea to try to restrain this guy as much as we can. So I am going to take a shot at him. Well, you got to get there first. It's going to take a whole turn to get there. Okay, I'm so going to uh, actually. This time. Are we in initiative order still? Or are we kind of out of initiative? Order? Uh, let's just keep initiative order since the zombies kind of got wiped out. Okay, so then it's Katie first. It's Gal first. Yep. Um, okay, so if it is me first, um, so I can dash as a bonus action, as a cunning action. Uh So I can reach him and still have an action to attack him. You can indeed. Ooh, okay. Okay, so... I I don't think you're going to be able to pull sneak attack this time, though. I, I know. I was just debating. Actually, I'm not going to do that. I oh. suspect that perhaps Molly Maleficarum is going to be a little bit, as a paladin, better against a necromancer or whatever this is. Um, so I am going to first, as a bonus action... 
uh, slap Molly on the ass and cast Expeditious Retreat. So that Molly means that you can dash as a bonus action. So on your turn, you will be able to reach him and still have an attack action. Then I'm oh, yeah, going baby. to use... I'll, I'll use my whole movement and then my act. I'll use my whole movement. And then just for funsies, I'm going to use my action to cast Mage Hand. All right. What you doing with that there, Mage Hand? Can I roll a perception check to see what I see on this figure? Is this perception or investigation? Uh, I suppose since you're looking right at the dude, you already know where the dude is, then it would be investigation. Uh, that is a 17. That is going to pass. If I had to get a rogue in my dang old low level thing. That's like starting a high level campaign with a wizard. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so what you see as you roll this investigation, you kind of take, you squint uh, and as the sort of wave of turn on dead starts to die down, but you see very clearly that this man does not have his uh, rituals memorized. He has a sort of uh, hide bound, you're hoping it's hide, uh, book open in one hand that he is reading from. Okay, since I used my action to cast Mage Hand... Um, I don't think I can do anything else with it because it says I have to use my action to control it. So I'm going to clock that book, um, but I'm halfway to him. Clock that book. All right. Uh, sweet. So that's, uh, Gal's turn. Roman is, is, his jaw is kind of on the floor seeing (laughs) Gal slap Molly on the ass. And he's going to take off, but he's a big old thumper, so he's not going to get nearly as, as close as, as uh, Gal Capone did. And as the uh, man on the tomb, we can just go ahead and say the necromancer since uh, Gal has already, uh, uh, you know. Gal's hung out with demons. Gal knows yeah. shit. Gal, Gal's got this. <laughs> he kind of completes a phrase and uh, three arms, like three separate arms, not a three-armed creature. Uh, from three separate graves, three discrete arms pop out of the ground and begin climbing out. And Roman is going to use his turn to sort of whack-a-mole them as they are coming out. So he's concentrating <laughs> on handling this uh, zombie, this new zombie wave as they rise, rise from the grave. Uh, and he's he's kind of being like, Get back in your hole. And then he realizes that didn't sound as cool. So he's going to especially hit one with his nunchuck. Which brings us to Gal. You not Gal. awfully worried about holes there, Roman. (laughs) He doesn't respond because he he pretends not to hear you. Quick question before I take my turn. What happened to Arthur? Where did Arthur go? He's still in the car. He was holding the oil. Okay. Got it. Okay. He's not in the car. Um, He's near the car. So I've got my little boost from Gal, which is going to allow me to get there and then also make an attack. Yes? Yes. Okay. So first I'm going to get there and then I'm going to use my brass knuckles and also use my ensnaring strike. That's how cool. All right. Yeah. So you are going to rush to get there and you're going to use your uh, ensnaring strikes to go ahead and roll an attack roll. I rolled a natural 20. Holy shit. Um, All right. So with that in mind, I'm going to say that the ensnaring strike is automatically going to succeed. Uh, So go ahead and roll damage, which is 1d6 plus 5. Holy damage. Okay. So I rolled a 4 and then plus 5. We're looking at 9 damage plus the ensnaring Uh, strike. That's doubled. So you did 18 damage. 
Oh, yeah. Um, and so, Molly, you take off at a sprint that you have never felt before. Molly has never been much of a runner, and you thank God again, that you, thank Arthur again, in fact, that you are wearing these actual sneakers because you take off, <laughs> and you are like Usain bolting your way. You've never felt like this before. And I am you, loving this magic experience. You leap like Superman with your arms outstretched and you don't tackle the guy. Cause that would suggest some amount of wrapping up. You just leap and put your brass knuckles into this dude's pecs. And you like feel <laughs> a little bit of his breastplate, like crack beneath your hands as you take him to the ground. And as he lands on his back off of this, this mausoleum, which is pretty high up, you feel the air go out of him. He is like completely stunned. And then this, this, plant life you've never seen before just winds its way out of the dirt pulls him to the ground even tighter and he is stuck i'm not even gonna have him roll a strength check he is you practically killed the dude in one go with that natural 20 uh so he is and he is stuck he down there raise any more zombies and he says wait let me find the voice because that basically was just roman again hell i can't and he starts Uh-oh. talking. He starts talking again and goes, Lama Zuda. I forget what the hell it is. I knew I should have memorized this. <laughs> uh, hey, what happened to his book when he uh, got trapped by vines? At the very least, it is pinched down at his side. He probably, given the, the violence of the tackle, uh, it probably went flying like some nerd that get that got his books dumped. Can uh, can someone, if it did go flying, can someone grab that book? Are you using uh, your talking actions? Or I suppose we're probably out of combat, honestly. So, uh, yeah. You solved my zombie puzzle. Uh, and so, yeah. <laughs> Molly kind of looks around. For flavor, can Gal's Mage Hand have caught the book as it went flying like a nerd? Oh. Oh, please. Oh, just. It's, it's not just for flavor. It's Guy Fieri Flavor Town. It catches the, the mage hand, and in fact, you see the because mage hand is actually like a, a visible being, uh, unless you turn it off with your fancy rogue skills. Uh, you see its index finger fold into the page as it the book like threatens to close, so it even caught the the page he was at. Hey, yeah, uh, my book brings it to me, and I high five the book, or not the you book, high-five the, the, the mage hand. hand. Uh, you get a satisfying slap. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, this is D&D. I forgot. Roll charisma check. Uh, not Gal's strong suit. Uh, that's a 15 minus 2, so a 13. All right. It's a good high five. I just wanted to make sure you didn't, like, whiff. Uh, in so, front of Roman, uh, I can't. The, the book is in uh, Gal's uh, possession, and the necromancer is in Molly's possession. You, uh, I assume, at least stand up. He is He is firmly uh, on the ground. Yes. Uh, I am going to sort of gather myself together, uh, get Gal and Roman and approach the vine-encrusted necromancer uh, to start questioning him about who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. All right. He is sitting there and he's kind of, uh, you know, trying to get out of there. So he's going to roll a strength saving throw. Uh, he does not get it. He's like, And he uh, uh, can't get out of the vines. Okay, now at this point, you're just embarrassing yourself. Why don't you just go ahead and tell us? You're embarrassing yourself. Who are you? Who are you? And what are you doing? What are you doing here? (laughs) Trying to cause some mischief on Halloween? 
Is this part of something bigger? What's your deal? Uh, he's like, why should I tell you anything? You need to do more Roman, than just literally ask me questions. Me? Roman, can you please kick him for me? All right, Roman kicks him. Roman's going to roll some uh, intimidation. He's going to kick him in the side. Uh, he kicks him in the side, but the, it is blunted by the, the grass. And he's like, <laughs> Vine, stop the kick. Can Gal do an intentionally non-fatal shocking grasp? Ooh, I don't know about that. I want this to be a risk. Okay, I'll if it's I'll do it for a risk. That's fine. You don't know how many points <laughs> he has left. I'm just telling you. I don't. All right. All right. So attack roll. Um, but it is, he, you hit. It is coup de gras. Like you hit him. Okay. Uh, so it is a one d eight of lightning damage. That is a three. He goes, oh, and uh, he collapses. Is he dead? He's not moving. Can I do a medicine check to stabilize him? (laughs) Sure. You could get your partner to play some D&D as well. Susan, scroll down to your spells. Yeah, I I think you have like healing touches and shit. I do. I have a cantrip of lay on hands. Uh, can, let's see, total points of 20 HP to restore to others. Yes, yeah, so that so is a pool. I, you so can you give him literally one. That. Okay, so can I give him like five? You can. Or you could just give him one and he'll just wake up and it'll be okay. Okay, I'm going to lay on hands and give him one healing point. All right, so I'm going to say in fiction, because you're not used to this sort of stuff. you kind of like, oh, God, gal. Like, I don't mean to a- attach too many uh, emotions to your character, but you kind of drop down. And you're like, is he, is he okay? Is he okay? He has to be okay. And, uh, like, as you kind of put your hands on his face to take his pulse, uh, you don't know how to take somebody's pulse, uh, you, f- you see just, like, a, a sort of rosy pink light, uh, just barely, like an amuse-bouche of red light. Uh, leave your hands and go into it. it goes uh, flatliners as he wakes up. Gal's gonna get really close to his face. I can do that as many times as I want. All right, now <laughs> you roll intimidation. Uh, eighteen minus two, sixteen. I was gonna give you advantage since you literally killed him, but that's gonna be good enough. He's like, uh, uh, please don't literally kill me again. Um. All right. Are you ready to talk now? Yes. What more can I say? Please don't shock me literally to death. (laughs) Okay. Who are you and why are you raising zombies tonight? They they call me. And he kind of looks side to side and he's not sure. Like he's he's built up the speech. So he's going to stick to the lines, even though now it's like a very different environment from how he was expecting to give it. So he's like, they call me Hollow Jacko. I was a. Uh, okay. I've I've been uh, raising zombies my entire life. I love to raise zombies. It's one of the best things to do. I learned it from a Simpsons Halloween episode. And you, he kind of <laughs> like gestures to his breast pocket, and you can see a tiny little picture of Thriller by Michael Jackson. It's a Simpsons reference. And he says, uh, "This guy uh, paid me to come and do it at this specific cemetery. He found he like sort of scouted me." And uh, I think his name was Mark or like uh, Milk, uh, Mark Zong. I, I, my, my eyes connect with Ronan's for a minute and I say, was it 
Malik. And Roman says, my name's Roman, not Ronan. Not <laughs> he heard your you. thoughts. Oh, he did, okay. <laughs> and then uh, he says, yes, this uh, Malik song, uh, Broken Brown Arrow. And the guy goes, yeah, that was whatever the hell. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> They gave me all I needed. They 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 gave me all this stuff. And he he kind of like gestures down again. You see, he has like a like a weirdly Batman utility belt, but instead of like you know uh, vulcanized rubber and plastic, it's made out of like leather pouches. Uh, and you can you kind of like open it a little bit with your fingers, and uh, uh, you can tell it's some of those supplies, Molly, that were robbed from the witch store from earlier in your career. Okay. Um. I am so can you tell me like how bound up in the vines are all of these items like could I grab them off of him or could magic thief Gal Capone grab those things off of him uh well either way I'm gonna have you roll a sleight of hand and the failure is gonna significantly weaken these vines uh although to be fair he is surrounded by big beefy boys so. And is very weak himself. Uh, I So Molly looks at Gal and says, like, kind of under her breath, like, Gal, all that stuff that he has that he just said that he got from the Broken Brown Arrow, that's some of the supplies that were stolen. I got you, boo. Uh, and I'm going to attempt a sleight of hand. You succeed. I'm not even going to make you roll. He's sitting there still. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So, uh, you just and sort of, you're not even trying to fool him. Capone. Well, no, he is bound and <laughs> like, she has a plus eight to her sleight of hand. So I don't think I can justify like, oh, nope, a thorn poked you or whatever. So, uh, she, she rips off those magical implements from his belt and now you have them. They are, uh, somat- or material components, though neither of you are magicians. Okay. I am going to turn back to our necromancer and say, I need you to tell us where we can find Malik and the rest of the Broken Brown Arrow. You can tell he he tries to shrug. He's like, I, I, they just told me to be here on this day. I don't know. They, I don't know where they are. <laughs> so, um, you gotta believe me that like they're a rat. I'm not. Well, I know what I can tell you. He gets like really excited. I know I can tell you. Um. I'm not the only one. Like, I'm just I'm just causing a ruckus. That was basically in my contract. I don't have a contract, I'm, but, like, cause a ruckus. And you okay, can see Roman so kind you're... of thinking, and he kind of, like, rubs his hand up his, his scruff, and you can hear the rasp of beard on his fingers as he really looks into the middle distance. He's badass. I don't know if I've laid that on thick enough. Uh, and he's going to kind of say, find chaos, find broken brown arrow. And then the guy kind of ruins it and goes, yeah, that's what I mean. I like that Mick is sexually attracted to his own NPC. Mick has read enough urban fantasy that he knows who a protagonist is, Katie. And if I would... T- <laughs> yes, Mick. And it's neither here nor there if I would top him or not, okay? Oh God. Um I am going to ask the necromancer, like, do you know like where where can we find this chaos? Who are the others? Where are they going to be tonight? 
uh, he, he begins to talk, but then Arthur talks behind him in, in the other voice I have to memorize. Uh, and he says, actually, that's why we came up and remember how we destroyed those, th- uh, tombstones. And he kind of hooks a thumb over his back and you see the tired marks in the graveyard. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, we actually uh, have quite a few calls. Uh, Statues have come to life in the college town, and uh, we're pretty sure that there's, let's call them a phalanx of bone golems in the old town. Uh, So that's just, and it's not even like 10 o'clock yet. This is going to be, this is going to be a busy night. (laughs) Uh, I take a look at Roman and Gal and say, all right, what's first, bone golems or statues? Uh, gal's gonna kind of shrug. And I mean, we revisited high school last week. May as well revisit college this week. Slam to credits. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good ending line, especially as we wait to hear from our, our uh, latest guest star. So uh, I think oh, that's where we're good. gonna call it for this night. Now that you guys have been yeah. bemagicked. And defeated a big wave of zombies. You are I you are in the it. middle I'm of a busy night. I'm hella fast now. Well, no, that that is now gone. That's worn off. Well, I was hella fast for just a minute. Hey, aren't we all hella fast for just a minute, and then we settle down? <laughs> Katie, I love you and your character. <laughs> Gal has no boundaries and eats Reese's cups mashed into coffee. I love it. No, I love your like your your role playing character. Not like I love the character (laughs) that you exhibit. We can uh, continue the love fest at a later date. Is there anything anybody on the thing would like to plug? Susan, you've just had a baby, so congratulations. Oh, thank you. He's beautiful. We will assume. Um, Katie, anything you'd like to say? We we have not been using your last name throughout these recordings. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm Katie Twaddle. I exist. Uh, <laughs> All the work I did. I know. Nick literally edited out when I accidentally said your full name in a previous episode. I know. He sent me a recording of him trying to reverse it and it just still being my name. So. Yeah, Twaddle backwards <laughs> sounds like Twaddle. Too. It's weird. <laughs> just terrifying. Uh, nothing to plug. Just be safe and be kind, please. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording this ahead of time, and let's just say, we're yeah. not going to give you the date, but let's just say oofa doofa, uh, which also, hopefully, you can remember the date a little accurately, and you're like, oh, no, that got even worse since we've actually recorded it. Oh, oh God, well. I hope not. Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Dickymon, Susan at Susan J. Uh, you're currently listening to the podcast. I'm not going to give it to you. We're going to be on break for a while, as I probably explained in the early stuff. I haven't recorded that bit yet. Uh, but please let us have a baby without also having to read terrible books. I don't need that Although much stress in our life. Although we're not going to be doing a whole lot of sleeping, so... Maybe we'll want to read a lot of terrible books. I'm going to be doing a whole lot of not sleeping and then also going to work after that. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to feel yeah. like reading when I get home. So. All right. Fair. fair. Anyway. I'm going to really, night, when Katie. you think about it, when you think about it, I'm going to be doing the most work. So have a good night, Katie. Oof. Bye. All right. You guys can press the stop button. Stopped. Oh, nope. I didn't stop.